Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. Well, it's 808 as we roll along here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, along with Stephanie Bell. How you doing? Good morning. Wearing what she thinks is red, but looks orange on the Facebook and YouTube. It's a constant battle. This is why you should not order things online, because it says red, and then it shows up, and it's kind of orange. And Hannah, I'm going to count it. Hannah's sporting her new tattoo. You can look on the Facebook page for Wake Up Mid-Missouri and check into that. And then John Marsh, who is not tattooed this morning, as best we can tell. Right, John? I'm not telling. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and I'm Randy Tobler. Thanks for being here. Uh, joining us now, <laughs> excuse me, is uh, Missouri's Solicitor General, Josh Devine. Now, uh, Mr. Devine, got to ask you, there were Boone County listeners here who might get confused. You're not the Judge Devine in Boone County. You're the Josh Devine from Solicitor General in A.G. Bailey's office, right? That, that's right. Hey, thanks for having me on. You know, I get this a lot. I had... Um I had twins who were born up in Boone County back in 2018, and everybody kept asking me how my race for judge was going, and I, I had to keep explaining them. I'm the different Josh Devine. I know. Hey, uh, we wanted to. You've been in the in the chair now, what for about a year or so, and uh, there's several big cases coming up. Not the least of which is, and you're working on, is uh, the FDA abortion pill. That's right. That's right. You know, this is a case that really, you know, the Attorney General Bailey is pro-life. I'm pro-life. But this is really a case that if you're pro-life, if you're pro-choice, it doesn't matter. Everybody should be really concerned about what's going on here. Uh, This is a situation where the Obama administration and the Biden administration, they curtailed a lot of the safety precautions that were that used to protect women with respect to the abortion drug. And the, uh, the abortion drug is widely recognized as much more likely to land a woman in the ER than a surgical abortion. And so this case is really just about putting those safety precautions back in place. Now, um, I want to zoom out because while I got while I have you, I mean, you're really an appellate law expert. You spent some time in D.C. and there's some important cases getting argued um, before the Supreme Court today on Chevron deference. And I know uh, the attorney general is constantly working about working on, you know, separation of powers issues and fighting back against the administrative state. You know, what does that case or I guess it's a pair of cases mean uh, the ones that are before the Supreme Court today? Yes, so there are two cases before the Supreme Court today on what's called Chevron deference. Now, I I spent a year at the Supreme Court. I worked for U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who who famously got his legal starts here in the Attorney General's office in Missouri. And one of the things I saw while I was while I was clerking on the Supreme Court was the um, just the effects that the agencies have in a lot of these cases. There are a whole bunch of cases where federal agencies are a party. And what what the Chevron case basically says is that if there's any kind of ambiguity in the in the text of the statutes, then you defer to the federal government. You put a thumb on the scale in favor of the federal government. And what we've seen in the past, you know, 40 years since that case was decided is this has basically helped create a fourth branch of government and an entirely unelected undemocratic branch of government that's really not accountable to the American people. And, and I think the Supreme Court's got a real chance to overturn that case and return things back to the text and the laws that govern the American people. Now, back uh, to your work in particular, last week you all chalked up a big win. Um, I remember when the case against China was first filed, there were a lot of folks on Twitter who kind of took it unseriously and, and were joking around like, haha, Missouri sues China. But the, the court, you know, dealt you a big win last week in that case. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, it is really difficult to sue a country. You have to you have to fit your lawsuit into sort of a very narrow exception in this federal law. Uh, but the Court of Appeals last week determined that we did so. And, and, you know, if you remember, think back four years ago, China knew about COVID for, for weeks, for months before the rest of the world did. And what they did is that they used that time to purchase the world supply of gowns and hand sanitizer. And, you know, I remember going on Amazon and you'd see hand sanitizer with $100 a bottle. And so then when we got here, one of the one of the very first appeals that Attorney General Bailey's office um, conducted, you know, the very first appeal that I argued as Solicitor General was this case against the Chinese government. And I remember, you know, thinking back to law school, I never thought I would I never thought that as a lawyer I would stand up in court and take on the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but that was a really that was a really neat opportunity to be able to do that as my first appeal as Solicitor General. And of course, you know, we got the big win last week that says we can in fact sue the Chinese government. And we look forward to pressing that case further. Now, what else are you then watching for here? Um, you know, what's going to be the next big case out of the Attorney General's office? We heard, uh, we were kind of jokingly talking about, I guess, the Highway Administration's telling uh, transportation agencies that they can't have any humorous signs. Um, but it just seems like every day the Biden administration is is overreaching. So what what's the next big project? Well, you know, we've got a lot of the, a lot of irons in the fire. One case that I'm really looking forward to is this border wall lawsuit that we brought against Secretary Mayorkas and, and the Biden administration. And, and this suit is really just about a basic principle. You know, if you're the president of the United States, you have to follow the law. And one law that Congress passed a couple of years ago was a law that expressly required the federal government to build a wall on the southern border. And then Joe Biden comes in day one of office and he, he just says he's not going to do it. You know, he issued a statement saying, I'm not going to build the border wall. The problem is, of course, that the law expressly says that he has to do it. And this is, you know, this is, in fact, a, a big reversal from his previous policies. You know, everybody knows that walls work. Uh, Joe Biden, Barack Obama in 2006, they voted for a, for an act in Congress to require the federal government to build the wall. And then he reversed he reversed stance in 2021. We went to we went to court and we went and sued them and said, hey, no, you actually have to follow the law. You actually have to build the wall on the southern border. And that's all that's all briefed up in the district court. We finished our briefing schedule last month and we look forward to we are eagerly anticipating the ruling from the court on that case. We're talking with Missouri Solicitor General Josh Devine this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Josh, gosh, I guess it was a year ago when the abortion activists filed the lawsuit against Missouri's pro-life uh, law, you know, after the Dobbs decision and the and the courts ruled in favor of the AG. Do you think, though, that, that whole discussion or challenge could come back? Yeah, I mean, we're still we're still in active litigation in that case. I'd say that this is, in fact, maybe the third or fourth case that we've seen along the same kind of uh, this, what I might call a novel legal theory from the other side. Um, it was first brought by an organization, you know, believe it or not, they called themselves the Satanic Temple. They sued us when I was working for then Attorney General Josh Hawley, and they said, hey, you know, abortion laws, laws that protect you know, babies and women, those are a violation of the separation of church and state. And you know, we won that twice under the Hawley administration. You know, the, the the newest plaintiffs have brought the same kind of lawsuit. And um, we've got we've chalked up a number of wins in that case. And we look forward to ultimately prevailing there as well. 
Now, you talked about your time uh, in the attorney general's office with Josh Hawley. Um, but, you know, as the solicitor, uh, you know, you're kind of uh, over um, a lot of the policy type. Uh, I mean, you're over, you know, you're the main are you are main attorney for the attorney general. But uh, talk about the difference that state solicitors have in their role. Should Trump be elected? Should you have a Republican president? Does that change the solicitor's role at all? Well, you know, it doesn't fundamentally change the kind of work that we're doing on a day-to-day basis. I think what it means is we would go a lot more on defense rather than offense. I mean, right now, a big part of my day, probably half the time I spend every day, is pushing back against federal government overreach. Um, you know, the, the types of the types of cases that we've seen where, you know, the, the administration, the federal government just isn't really interested in following the law. I think we would I think we would see something different in the Trump administration. We saw something different the last Trump administration. And I think we would be in a situation where we'd be defending the federal government's rollback of some of these unlawful regulations that the current administration has imposed. Would you be willing to share with us any of the things that might be just on the horizon that you're thinking about, things that keep you up at night but haven't yet been filed? You're you're writing those briefs as we speak? Well, one thing I'm really excited about is the Supreme Court case that we have that the Supreme Court's going to hear in in March. We're working very eagerly on our brief in Missouri against Biden. This is the free speech case where we uncovered reams of evidence of the federal government pressuring and coercing big tech companies like Facebook and Google to take down speech from millions of Americans. And, and you know, here the, the district court made express fact findings based on over 20,000 pages of evidence that the federal government was doing this. They were doing it with respect to all the major social media companies and had harms, you know, millions and millions of Americans had been affected. So our brief is due in that case in a couple of weeks. We are hard at work on it. You know, I, I can't preview anything that we're going to say in the brief right now because we're still working on it. But let me tell you what the, the drafts that I've seen so far in our team and the and the, the work that I have drafted myself in this case. I'm really excited about our brief. Give us a little behind the quill pen. I'm sure you use a quill pen, don't you? Just like <laughs> no. Uh, give us a, give us a little view. Uh, how does this work when you are collaborating with other AG offices uh, around the the country? Because I mean, they're they're usually filed as one one document, isn't it? Or do you all file separate briefs just for us non lawyers in the in the crowd? Yeah, we usually file one document and. You know, it's a busy job trying to fight back against federal government overreach. And so what we've done is we've figured out the strategy where, you know, we'll we will partner up with Louisiana or Utah or Texas or Ohio or whatever states. And um, and that allows us to expand our resources. Uh, Typically, what we'll do is we'll send drafts around. We might um, we might divide things where, you know, I'm drafting a brief right now that we're going to file file next week with uh, with Ohio. And, you know, we drafted some of it, Ohio drafted some of it, and then we edited it together. And this really just expands our resources and enables us to do so much more than we could if we just worked by ourselves. That's good. Thanks for some of the behind the scenes view. I mean, a lot of us see what the final product, but it's interesting to learn, you know, how the sausage making is done uh, from from your point of view. Thanks for sharing with us all the multiple fronts that you're working on to defend our constitutional type of government, which seems to be assaulted by the progressive left every day from so many ways. And we thank you for being on top of that. Solicitor General Josh Devine, hope you'll join us again to give us an update. 
Well, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, and good luck as you move forward. Josh Devine from the AG's office. You want to learn more about what they're doing, it's ago.mo.gov. When we come back, what's going on with your portfolio? Stephanie will tell you not only how the markets are looking, but what stocks to buy and what cryptocurrency to invest in. Right, Steph? No. No financial advice (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Stay. More coming up on Wake Up in Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Mid-Missouri's official talk show. Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Official talk show. Who's that even mean? Official. I hear the morning bell at 824. We're even a little early, Stephanie, just for you, so you can have a wide berth to tell us all the good news. What's up? Uh, well, the market closed down yesterday. Oh, thank you. Oh, and great. And it's in the red pretty significantly this morning. <laughs> uh, Dow is almost at half a percent down. NASDAQ approaching three quarters of a percent down. And S&P right there in the middle. So maybe not the good news you were hoping for today, Randy? I heard what's driving that was uh, one of the Fed people said that uh, they're going not to so, not so quick on thinking we're going to lower rates. Well, there's some other uh, stocks that are significantly down today, and that's because a federal judge yesterday put the kibosh on a big merger, and uh, and the judge actually in the DOJ alleged in their lawsuit uh, that this acquisition would eliminate about half of the all ultra-low-cost airline seats in the industry. Ooh. And we can't talk about JetBlue and Spirit Airlines without the infamous John Christ audio that I think Hannah has up for us. This is how a comedian's brain works. This will sum it up perfectly. I was on a Spirit Airlines flight and there was like a medical emergency. You know what they come on? They're like, is there a doctor on board? And everybody was panicking and I was just like... I go, there's no doctor on a Spirit Airlines flight. <laughs> and if you haven't seen that whole whole bit, it gets better. Um, and so uh, it's very good. But um, so Spirit is known as one of the low cost uh, low cost airlines, and um, and they were set to merge with JetBlue. The deal was a 3.8 billion dollar deal. Wow. Um, the Biden administration hasn't had much luck on their antitrust push, um, but they the DOJ or you know they did win uh, at least initially this uh, lawsuit yesterday. Yesterday. Um, and so the, the proposed merger was essentially it would have created the fifth largest airline uh, in America. And the two smaller airlines were saying, look, we can't compete with these big guys. I think the antitrust folks put a, a JetBlue was trying to do kind of like a, a deal, um, a partnership with American Airlines. And they put that to bed and they said, in order to compete, we really have to, you know, we really have to have this merger. And, and what the court found was, you know, it's going to raise rates like crazy, um, give consumers less options. Uh, and so uh they put 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 the end and to it. Spirits, yeah, spirits value just tanked on the market, mm-hmm. didn't it? That's right. Spirit shares plunged after the ruling ended the day down four. Uh, is that forty seven percent? Wow. And wow. Uh, JetBlue stock gained five percent. I is that a typo? It might be meant to be four point seven. I'm going to have to do a fact check there on this Wall Street Journal article. Well, the Biden administration's general theme has been to try to really enforce antitrust legislation and to try to, you know, take advantage of that. In a way, it's pro-competition. Now, free marketers would say, no, let monopolies be monopolies, and, you know, they'll eventually get top-heavy and, you know, over 
overburdened people and a, a competitor will come in. Yeah. I'm not so sure I believe that. And 47% is right. I think they opened yeah. yesterday around 15 and they were down somewhere around 8 at one point and even lower than that at one point. Buying opportunities. They, and they said, I just pulled it up, said they were tumbled another 20% ahead of the bell this morning. Oh my goodness. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're looking for cheap flights... <laughs> You know, the bear uh, fair and that spirit. Well, an American or not American, but Alaska after their their incident, um, I heard their share uh, their tickets were actually uh, pretty affordable <laughs> in, the, in the weeks following. So. Um, so, yeah, it's it'll be interesting as the as the Biden administration continues their antitrust push. And then again, as we're looking toward potentially a, a Trump presidency, what that might mean in the antitrust space. So there's some news just breaking about retail sales in December uh, topping expectations. The spending spree by American consumers goes on. They Retail sales rise by more than half a percent in December. Yeah. I'm actually surprised by that. But again, I would, I would want to balance that out with how much of that was actually paid in cash and how much of that is on credit. And so what, what I've seen from financial analysts is, yeah, people are still spending like crazy because they have their head in the sand and they're in denial. Mm. Um, but what we're seeing is we're seeing more and more people racking up incredible amounts of debt and more and more people they're spending like crazy which means they are not doing any sort of saving or investing which uh which i think anecdotally i think is probably right won't that drive won't that drive sympathy towards democrat progressive governments uh, my nanny people who are going to promise redistribution plunder one group of people to give to you so you can keep on spending that's i think going to become an emerging theme with the biden and the democrat campaign pretty sure and it's a generally generational problem i blame hannah's generation for this type it's of all behavior. Yep. it's all hers yeah yeah <laughs> so they can get more tattoos that's what it's about yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> oh all boy right. i'm in trouble i'm in trouble now <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy you're listening to wake up mid-missouri and i'm going to see what Hannah's got up her sleeve to try to spank me after that one when we come back. Stay there. You won't be back. (laughs) Thanks for making Wake Up Mid-Missouri your number one choice in the morning. It's 8.36 as we roll along on the program today. Coming up, some leftovers after uh, after the upcoming break. But um, we're, we're watching on the studio monitor here rows and rows of cars at charging stations, and those cars are Teslas. And, I mean, th- we have to rethink this whole move to EVs, gang. I'm sorry. I mean, how can you be a legislator? How can you be Joe Biden? Well, Joe Biden, uh, he's probably still sleeping. How can you be looking at these images, hearing about limited range with EVs? They quickly drain in cold weather. Stephanie, you pointed out earlier, people are sitting there charging them. It's like having a hole in your bucket while the faucet's on. They're draining it with their heater. They're trying to run their heater so they can sit there for the half an hour it takes to charge up. And think about like the percentage of people who actually own EVs and how many people they want to force to have EVs. I mean, if we're having all of these problems with such a small percentage of people who have EVs, think about if 50% of the population had an EV, what those charging uh, stations would look like. I mean, we would just be stuck at home and uh, you know well we shouldn't be i mean with global warming and all they should be nice and toasty sitting there as they charge you yeah that it's (laughs) (laughs) and yet here you've got practical intermediate sustainable or at least more sustainable than totally combustion engine prius hybrids and other you know other companies make other hybrids that make total sense as an intermediate step while we try to figure this out uh 
I, I, it just it just defies me how legislators and policymakers can sit there and look at the reality and ignore it. It just it just makes no common sense to me whatsoever. Brian Houseworth joins us now. It's good to see you. Tell us about the recall effort and the city councilman. I know that you've been looking at that, and we haven't covered that story this morning. I think it's a big deal. Uh, I really do. It's, In it's, it's, it's historical for sure. It's been 33 years, actually more than 33 years, since a Columbia City Councilman or woman has been recalled. That was back in 1990. Nick Knoth is the councilman that we're talking about in the first ward here in Columbia. Columbia. He was elected in 2023, so he has not been in office a full year yet. He took a job, Randy, with the Missouri Realtors Association after he became a councilman. The recall organizers, it's a woman by the name of Pamela Cooper, her and her supporters say that this is a conflict of interest. Now, Columbia Buzz, Mike Murphy and Randy, uh, Mike Murphy and Al Jermon, you've been on there too. They basically had him on a couple yeah. of weeks ago and I heard him on uh, the show. He says there is no conflict. He says this is no, there's no conflict at all. He believes this is, you know, just not, not correct. Um, the, of course, the, uh, the, it's going to be up to the voters. So this will be in April. If they recall him, there'll be a vacancy, a short vacancy. If they don't recall him, he will stay in office and finally the last councilman to be recalled was chester edwards in 1990 and i think there are people probably listening who remember this the colonies on forum nobody you i guarantee you all our listeners have driven down forum dr ashley emmel has an office down on that street so does Ori hemi nobody even thinks about the colonies anymore people just think it's there but when they built the colonies in 1990 it was a huge controversy people listening will probably remember it if you were alive in the area then and this councilman chester edwards backed the colonies he got voted out of office now, there were other, some people didn't like him in general, but the reality is that was the big issue. As I recall, in was, 1990, he, he what supported... What was the problem? They didn't want it. The, the people that lived in that area did not want the colonies. Now, now what I'm saying is today, nobody even thinks about no. it. But it was a big issue. He was It, it really was about gr- uh, growth and development. And uh, but this is a little different. This is about conflict of interest. Uh, now, there have been other efforts to recall council people. So they, they tried to recall Ginny chadwick she resigned and if you remember there was an effort to recall laura nauser people might forget that but there was now that also failed so this is the first one um, that's been on on the ballot for a while and we'll see what ultimately will be up to the voters and uh Kenoth absolutely says there's no conflict of interest. on other matters in the columbia realm um where are we on this uh sanctuary city for lgbtq and you know deprioritizing that for law enforcement should it become an issue that is not an issue that is before the council yet the status is people are asking there's only one meeting in the columbia city council in in january and it was last night because of the mlk holiday they did not meet on january 1st or that week because of the new year's holiday that measure that has been proposed by the community members of the community a couple of uh, uh business people and also so some students, uh, it's the Mizzou Democratic Socialists that have, that have proposed that. The Columbia Law Department and also the, um, the, the not just the legal department, but the Human Rights Commission is still reviewing their language on that. Eventually, I do expect it to come up. It is not as of yet. It will have to be. First of all, they talk in that draft ordinance about the Pulse nightclub and, you know, stuff that really there's there's a lot of language that would have to be rewritten in there. Um 
and once they do that, it will be proposed. It'll be introduced. Then it will be actually voted on. But it is not. It is not. It did not come up last night. There was, however, about a hundred people that showed up at the Columbia City Council meeting, calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Um, so you know, occasionally you'll see an issue like that. That's kind of an international issue that gets <laughs> wow, attention. Yeah. But they did, and uh, okay. they want the Columbia Council to actually get involved. They want them to pass a resolution. Five seven three eight seven four ninety three ninety. Chris is on the line. Chris, welcome to Wake Up Mid Missouri. Yeah, it's just the dead battery hotline. Yes, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a charge? Houseworth yeah. will be right out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is one of those things that a lot of us foresee being a problem. And you know, anybody that's had a gasoline car understands that your battery has so much less power in it when it's setting out in the cold weather. In Alaska and places like that, they actually put battery heater pads you plug into your house under your battery to make sure you got enough battery to start the car, along with all the engine heaters and all that. And I've been on a Facebook page for some time about cars and stuff, and it's, there's a certain group on there. It's always, oh, electric cars, electric cars are just all over it. And some time back, this was brought up, and they're all throwing out all these stats like, well, you know, an electric car will go out and take off in weather much colder than a gasoline car and blah, blah, blah. But what I got to noticing was almost every person who's all sold and all happy about them, uh, they got a garage to put their car in, which now we know might be dangerous. Uh, you know, I only live five miles from where I, where, you know, I work. Okay, and they're all they got a garage. I'm happy. I just drive it five miles a day. I'm retired. And I think, you know, common sense tells you, what about all the people living in apartments that have to park on the street? Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what happens. Yeah. You can't have a charger and a plug-in on every, you know, 10 feet down the street. But they lose gobs of power when they're sitting in cold weather. Yeah, and then yeah. the minute you take off, you've got to, yeah. like, say, have a heater and all that. You're just doomed. Now, I mean, Chris, you, you said something that caught me. You said you're retired, but you live five minutes from work. Help help me. Well, There's some saying, cognitive dissonance no, there. No, I was saying to the people that were oh, chiming oh, okay. in were, oh, oh I'm okay. retired. You're retired. I only live five oh, minutes from work. It was all, you know, I and, and oh, I always two have different, a nice two different things. Okay. to put it in. Not right. me. Well, a lot of retired people do work, you know, part-time, or they do we volunteer do. work. Well, so. As I joke, I'm self-employed. I have no drive to work. All right. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Next up, Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? What's up? Yeah, hey, I heard the uh, Republican mayors of little towns around here already warming up the buses to send their trans and LGBTQ library <laughs> reading hour refugees to Columbia. Well, that's the Abbott, the Abbott maneuver. I see the Abbott gambit there, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's going to be one of the, the, the drawbacks, I guess. We better have some housing ready for them. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Coming. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, I heard uh, apparently there's some controversy. They don't really know what to do with this building that was historically used uh, down on off of Broadway. I've, right? I've, I've, it's, I've, I've covered it. Yeah, in the you news. were covering that. And uh, whether it's going to be a museum or a performance venue or what, uh, who well, determines and when do they determine? OK, the Columbia Council, you know, and this has been a, a, a if you look at our Facebook page, our listeners, several of them on Facebook are not happy with the purchase. Several of them say it's too much. It costs one point seven million dollars to purchase a building they voted for this back in august so the, the the purchase has already been made what happened last night is they basically uh, voted to create a 15 member task force it'll be a mayor's task force members haven't been chosen yet but they're going to be looking at people that are uh, historians experts in local columbia black history the building is called the mckinney building i guarantee our listeners again just like forum they've driven by it a million times probably didn't recognize it but that's what it is it's mckinney building it's 411 east broadway it's right next to Plaza Tire. Go down there today. You'll be able to take a look at it. Count Basie actually performed there years ago. 
Um, th- there is there are some in the community that want to see. Well, it's a huge, huge history there in terms of the African American community here in Columbia. Some would like to see a black business incubator. Others want to see kind of a museum dedicated to black history. Others want to see jazz. Ultimately, it'll be really be up to the task force. They'll make a recommendation to Mayor Buffalo, and then it would be up to the city council. So that was the uh, that was the vote last night. Um, uh, the, so so so. But I'm a white guy who used to play in a band that played a lot of Count Basie tunes. Would I be barred from performing there? can't speak to that <laughs> are we are we gonna do you is this gonna be i mean is your involvement in this project going to be limited to the melanin melanin in your skin i mean is this another project that's going to be you know another divisive racially divisive program i hope not i hope city fathers and mothers have better better thoughts than that i think in, in terms of the it hasn't been as controversial is is uh, you know the facebook comments that i recall in august were were kind of concerned about the cost it was 1.7 million dollars they tapped into their capital investment uh, fund that they have they have a lot of different funds the task force members randy like i said would include historians downtown business owners would be involved they don't say anything i've read the packet it's two pages actually i think i linked to it on our website and there's nothing in there that says you know i think you're asking can white people participate there's nothing in there that says anything anything about that that they can't or cannot of course i'm not implying that but I mean, in terms of the actual, so the actual the boots on the ground, the, the 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 work done at and in that place, is it going to be limited to to, to black? people and celebrating black culture can it be people that identified as enjoying and performing black music i think i, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I can't I mean, you know what, what's this why do we have to start why do we continually have to identify people by their race in the media in in public policy i've had it with that well, I, again and uh, some of our listeners might uh, i want to uh, challenge you on one thing when you say in the media i'm simply reporting i'm not talking you okay, okay, okay. i'm not talking you I, the other day the new york times talked about this shooter up in buffalo that he shot uh, 10 black people. It doesn't matter whether they were black or brown or blue or white. It doesn't matter. He shot 10 people. And we've got to start practicing. I'm not talking about you, Brian. Sure, I appreciate The it. mainstream media at large has got to start to stop talking about black and white. Just talk about people. This whole discussion of the the McKinney building in Columbia, when I first heard about it, kind of took me back. What was it, Brian? A few years ago, when the city had some controversy, when they came up with the bucks to buy the the blind Boone home. Yeah, right? that was and that was controversy a little bit about the cost and stuff. This one, it's it, Randy. It's not is at this point. Let's see what they're going to recommend. I mean, I think that building does have a lot of primarily African American yeah. history in it. Um, so so it, we'll see what happens. The, but the I, roots I, I of think, rock and roll and hip-hop and disco and everything is all black musicians. We should celebrate that. Absolutely. And Count Basie, Absolutely. Count Basie did perform Absolutely. there. You ask about Nick Nick Knoth, by the way. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in a nutshell, is it a... And I don't know this. This is going to be up to the voters. Is it a conflict of interest for him oh. to work for the Missouri realtors? And some, then, some would say it is. He says it is not. But, you know, it, it, he's he's... Full, full, he's, yeah. he's going out to try to retain a seat, so it is going to be yeah. interesting to see that. And, Which uh, is kind of funny to me, Brian. We we think about Jefferson City's Mayor Ron Fitzwater, who's a full-time lobbyist for the Missouri Pharmacy Association. Nobody's gone after him about it. And and um, and nobody said it's a conflict of interest. <laughs> I assume yeah. I assume on it, the, the rare matters in yeah. Jeff City, John, that there'd be a pharmacy issue. He would he would recuse Probably. himself. 
But the he, this Kanoth is saying that if there is an issue that deals with uh, realtor, he uh, he abstains. He doesn't vote. But there's still the, you know there is the petition. They do have the votes to to put them on there. It'll be interesting. Steve's on topic. You have twenty seconds, Steve. We're running late. Yeah, that building down there that you guys are talking about. I bought my first Stingray bike from there. It was the uh, <laughs> cool. it was called uh, Foster's Key and Bike oh, Shop. They were the first Schwinn dealer in oh, Columbia, right. the 50s, 60s, 70s, yep. and part of the 80s. An yep. iconic name, Schwinn. Schwinn and uh, Foster, and it yeah. was, it, that's exactly right. It was it, it was a bike shop, as I recall, it was there maybe 83, 84. Um, it's a long time ago but it was definitely there in the 80s i have a picture of it and uh uh, the girls uh that i went to school with her she had a picture and she sent it to me Uh, thanks for that appreciate it all right all right yeah and boy i'm I'm glad that they're celebrating the black music heritage but especially when it comes to criminality and reporting i think we've got to try to be Americans first and racially separate second. That's just my opinion. We'll be talking about that, I'm sure, as the weeks, days, and months go on. Coming up, leftovers. Let's see what's on everyone's plate as we roll along on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Tell your friends you listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Here's a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. <laughs> I am, uh, what's on my plate? I've been wanting to talk this for a long time. I'm going to be going to Switzerland, Austria, and Bavaria with a bunch of you. If you'd like to come along with, that's my, Switzerland's my home country. I mean, that's my great-great-great-grandfather. I think great-great-grandfather emigrated from there. Uh, along with Scotty Cox from Clear 99, we're going to be heading out there in September, late September for a 10-day tour uh, with Colette uh, Tours. So um, if we're going to be going to Switzerland, to Salzburg, the birthplace of uh, Mozart. We're going to be visit the Mirabel Gardens, which was featured in the Sound of Mucus. I mean, music. <laughs> It'll be a <laughs> no, lot of fun. That trip looks amazing. Oh, yeah. I have, I've only been to Europe a couple times, and the one of my trips was to uh, the uh, to Munich yeah. and to Salzburg. And it, I mean, I don't, a lot of times my choice is always I will go somewhere different it, in order to make my list of i would go back in a heartbeat it's really tough to get on that list those places are on my list i would go back in a heartbeat they're beautiful when my son was studying in uh in germany we dipped down and and of course visited some german you know munich and um uh schwabish hall and 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 of course the museums all the engineering museums in in uh, stuttgart but then we dipped down and went to the base of the alps mm-hmm. st gallen is my my family's home country right there above a beautiful lake but it it is like being in a postcard you feel like you're in a postcard when you're am i right it's stunning and it also feels a lot like home like there's rolling hills and green yeah. green like being in munich felt like a lot like being in missouri honestly um but it was stunning and for you agricultural types i mean this sounds really very um in the weeds and and you no know, in the grass I could I couldn't stop talking to the local farmers because we stopped at one of the little eateries on a Sunday afternoon there the yodelers were going and how do you they're farming I mean steep grades mm-hmm. no ruts no erosion they manicure their pastures there like you manicure your lawn yeah I mean it's amazing I mean John you, you're probably aware of that I mean it's oh they, it's like 19th century farming there you see the see the how they you know they take their cattle up in the in the mountains in yeah. the Alps and all and bring them down in the 
so time uh, and all. yeah come along with scotty and me and uh, a bunch of us will be going out there uh, end of september you can learn more on kws.com or 939theeagle.com Stephanie, what's on your plate? Uh, well, last night at the Board of Aldermen meeting in Ashland, we um, appointed a permanent police chief. So many people know mm-hmm. Scott Young had been serving the interim, but he was appointed permanent and sworn in last night. Great. John, how about you? Uh, Dave Griffith, our buddy, representative from Jefferson City, uh, the House Veterans Committee passed the bill directing the Veterans Commission to take more active role in uh, preventing wow. veteran suicides. All righty. Tomorrow we're going to be talking with someone from the Je- uh, Jefferson City Convention Visitors Bureau. Diane Gillespie. And a guy that wrote a book that says, if you don't vote Trump, the country's lost.